So I believe that he can help us plan for that time now because he knows what's going to happen later. And so this series on the Holy Spirit that uh, we're in the midst of, I've got like planned out all the way through the end of June that, that there's just so much that God has laid on my heart for us to talk about. But this week, what I wanted, was going to talk to you about, the Holy Spirit said no when we're shifting gears a little bit. And so that doesn't happen often, but sometimes it happens. I'm going to get rid of that. Uh, sometimes it happens. And that happened. We're, we're in this series called The Forgotten God. And, of course, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We, we've been doing this for this is our fourth week, and, uh, which, by the way, was la one last week good? Yeah, I heard so many great reports from last week. Pastor Brad did such a great job that he actually, we're going to keep him for another month. And so he earned another month. But last week was so awesome. And, and, and Pastor Brad presented this idea to us about the Holy Spirit being our advantage. That the Holy Spirit is our advantage. Jesus said that it is to your advantage that I go. Because I'm going to send another who's just like me, who's not just going to be with you, but he will be actually be in you. And so it's going to be to your advantage. And I, this whole idea of the Holy Spirit being our advantage, I just, I, I couldn't escape that all last week. There were times where I would enter into situations and it would pop into my mind, I have an advantage. The Holy Spirit is my advantage. And, and, and there were a couple of images that popped into my mind when, when Pastor Brad presented this idea to us, this concept of the Holy Spirit being our advantage. Of course, uh, last Sunday we were on the heels of like the greatest Super Bowl that's ever been played, <laughs> right? And I mean, it was, it was a great, and what made it great was like at the very end of the game, the Chiefs kicked the winning super, or field goals, which is one of the Super Bowls, so like. That's what made, it wouldn't have been so great if they wouldn't have done that. But in my mind, it made it a great Super Bowl. Uh, it's the greatest that's ever been played until they win the next one. But I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about, you know, imagine if before that game, it doesn't matter whether you're an Eagles fan or a Chiefs fan, but imagine if somebody came to you, and you're a part of this team, and they said, hey, I have your opposing team's playbook. I mean, I have, I know every play they're going to run. I know every formation they're going to be in. I know when they're going to be in it. I know what defenses they're going to run. I know what personnel they're going to use. I know everything they're, they're going to use or everything they're going to do, and I want to give it to you. Man, talk about an advantage. Listen, we have an advantage that knows the enemy's playbook. Somebody, okay, I'm going to try over here. We have an advantage. We have somebody who knows the enemy's playbook. What an advantage we have. Oh, I'm going to give you another chance over here. You guys have somebody on your side who knows the enemy's playbook. I mean, he knows, he knows that the enemy is a deceiver, he's a liar, he's the father of all lies, he's intent on killing, stealing, and destroying. Every path he'll lead you down is going to lead to death. 
That's what scripture says. And so you have somebody on your side who will whisper in your ear. See, the enemy, the way that he works is he lies to us. He'll throw something that looks attractive to us. It's called temptation. It's bait. And so he'll throw it out and he'll say, I want you to head down this road because, boy, it's going to lead to joy and fulfillment and happiness and all of those things. But the Holy Spirit knows where it leads. And so he'll whisper in our ear, I don't want you going down that path. It's not going to lead where you think it's going to lead. I'm going to lead you down another path that that this one, again, we may not see exactly at the moment where this one leads. We may not understand it. We're like, why are you leading me this way? Because the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to lead you to a place that leads to life. In fact, Scripture says life that is abundant beyond anything that you could think of or imagine. That's where he wants to lead us. So we have an advantage. There, there was another image that popped into my mind when I thought about this. I don't know how many of you guys have seen the, uh, I think it's a Capital One commercial where uh, that Charles Barkley, the basketball player, retired basketball player, NBA great, is in. And so there's all these like um, elementary school age kids out on the playground, on the basketball court. They're picking teams. They're all lined up. They're all like four foot nothing. And then in the middle of them is Charles Barkley. This big, you know, 6'6", 280, the brown mound of rebound <laughs> is right there. And the little girl picks first and she's like, uh, I'll take Barkley. And then Barkley's like swatting all the shots and dunking on these little kids and stuff. Listen, we've got somebody better than Barkley. We have an advantage. We have somebody who is guaranteed victory for us. It's not a question of will we win. We have already won. He is to our advantage. That is the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, we, I'm so excited that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and the issue is that we have been given somebody better than Barkley. We've been given better than the opponent's playbook. We have this advantage, and it is such a shame when people choose to go through life not taking advantage of the, what's been given to them. You know, you know there, there are some people who who go through life and they're like, uh, you know, uh, maybe what this life is, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's struggles and defeat and this cycle of I want to do what's right, but I don't do what's right. And, and it's because we're trying to live it in our own strength and our own power. The, the apostle Paul talks about this in, uh, in um, Romans chapter 7. He talks about this struggle that takes place. And he says, he says this, he goes, I know that there's nothing that good, that good that lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. He says, but here is the struggle that I face in my life, and this is a struggle that so many of us can identify with. He says, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I, 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 I want to do what's good, but I don't. I, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I seem to find myself doing it anyway. And, and he goes on to say, he goes, you know, I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is this other power that is at work within me that is at war with my mind, and this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And then he goes on and he goes, oh, what a miserable person I am. I mean, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands this morning, but, but how many identify with that? You, you know, I want to do what's right, 
But the things that I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. And the, 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 the things that I, 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 wanna, I, I don't want to do, I don't seem to have the power not to do. And so there's always this frustration and this tension of really wanting to live for Christ, but just not having the power to live for Christ. And the reality is that that describes a great number of Christian people and how they live their lives. And, and the reality is so many have settled there. They're like, you know, well, if Paul lived that way, I mean, he's Paul, I'm no Paul. Maybe that's just what the Christian life is. Maybe what Jesus commanded is not really attainable this side of heaven. Uh, you know, for at least for normal people. Uh, a bunch of good Christian people have just made friends with the idea that this side of heaven, I'm just destined to continually fall into sin. But, you know, thank goodness, that's what grace is for. And the result is they live in this tension or this frustration of, of the, 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 there's just no freedom and there's no power that is described in the pages of Scripture. Which is um, what you would believe if you only read Romans chapter 7. Thankfully, Paul wrote Romans chapter 8. We need to read Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 follows Romans 7. I've met so many people who just stop at Romans 7 and they're like, okay, I guess that's just the way it is. But I want you to listen what Paul says after he talks about there's this struggle that takes place. All the things I want to do, I can't do. And the things I don't want to do, I seem to find myself doing. What a wretched man am I? Who will save me from, from this, this wretched place that I'm at? And Paul says this, these famous words. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, some people stop there, and they, they just kind of add this on and say, okay, so there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. So uh, I, I'm, still, I'm still actively, I'm enslaved to sin, but there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. Well, he goes on, he says, and because you belong to him, he says, watch this, the power of the life-giving spirit has done what? has freed us, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law that of Moses was unable to save, Paul says. The law was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So because of the weakness of the law, God did what the law could not do. He sent his only son, Jesus, in a body like bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God, through Jesus, declared an end to sin's control over us. How did he do that? Through the cross? Paul says by, by giving his son as a sacrifice for his, our sins. He did it so that the, the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us and, uh, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Who instead follow the Spirit. Jesus said, it is to your advantage I'm going to send another who's just like me. Another who, Jesus lived a sinless life. Though he was tempted in every way, he lived a sinless life. Jesus said, I'm going to send you somebody who's just like me, who can identify with your frailties and your temptations and, and just the humanity of life. I'm going to send somebody just like me. And he's not just going to be with you. 
Oh, no. He's going to be in you to be your advocate, your helper, your, your, your guide, your counselor. He's going to be the spirit of truth who will lead you in all truth. In other words, I can boldly stand here before you this morning and I can, I can tell you without hesitation that you and I have been given an advantage. We have an advantage over the control of sin in our lives. I mean, man, we've been given a Barclay. We, we've been given somebody who knows the devil's playbook, and his name is the Holy Spirit. We have an advantage. Now, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he will not force himself into your life. He, he won't force himself on you. He's not going to force you to take advantage of the advantage that you've been given. He's just made himself available. But you have to choose him. You have to choose to access his power. So how do you do that? That's what I really want to talk to you this morning about. And what I want to suggest to you this morning, and, and this is actually not my suggestion. Everything I get, I steal right out of the Bible. And so this is, this is the Bible's suggestion, is that the way that you access the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life comes through baptism. It's the Holy Spirit is a baptizer. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the roles of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Brad began this last week. He talked about how the Holy Spirit is the one who will lead us into all truth. He, he reminded us that the Holy Spirit is the one who, when we hide God's word in our hearts, it's the Holy Spirit who said, Jesus said, he's going to remind you of everything that I've said. And so when we take and we read God's word, we hide it in our hearts, we may not remember it in the moment, but there will come a time where all of a sudden you're with, faced with a situation and this passage of scripture will pop into your mind. Just the right one that you needed. That's the Holy Spirit. That's one of his roles. But, but this morning what I want to talk to you about is another of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit. And that is that the Holy Spirit is a baptizer. Now, now typically when we think of baptism, we tend to immediately think of, of water baptism right that's what we tend to think of in fact here in just a few moments we've got several who are going to be water baptized and and uh, I actually I actually want you to begin to prepare for this now because what we're going to do at the end of the service is we've had several who have contacted us and say hey I just know that God is calling me to take this next step and I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and I want to be water baptized but at the end of the service we're going to open it up to anybody who wants to be baptized. Anybody who's not taken that step of baptism and you want to take it, we're going to invite you to take the plunge and be baptized this morning. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. You may not have prepared for it, but the Holy Spirit prepared us to, for you, okay? And so uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we get there, I don't know how many of you knew this or not, but according to Scripture, there are actually two other types of baptisms, that are represented in Scripture. And what I want to do this morning is we're going to go through and talk about each of these three baptisms. The first one is one that we typically don't refer to it. When we talk about it, we don't talk about it being a baptism, but it is. It is what is called the baptism of salvation, or it could be called the baptism by the blood. Normally, we just call it 
salvation. But it's the baptism of salvation. This is the initial step where the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. We realize the price that Jesus paid for our sins by shedding his blood on the cross. And so we confess and we repent of our sins. And what happens when we do that, according to 1 John 1, 7, is that the blood of Christ cleanses us. That word baptism is a word that means cleanses. And so this is what happens in salvation. The blood of Christ cleanses us. It wipes the slate clean. Hebrews 9, uh, 22 says this. It says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Now, the blood is significant because blood represents life. It represents life. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it tells us that the wages of sin is death. And according to Romans 3.23, we're told that every single one of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so what that means is, is that every single person is guilty of our own personal sin. And so each of us is deserving of death. That's the wages. It's what we've earned by our sin. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus, out of his great love for us, has paid the penalty for our sin. Okay, that's way better news than most of you have responded right now. Jesus on the cross. Man, man we're, in, we're, we're in the season of Lent where we point towards, you know, the culmination of it is, is the resurrection, Easter morning. But before the resurrection... Jesus paid with his life, brutally, brutally, suffered a brutal death for you and for me. Out of his great love, he shed his blood. His life's blood was shed so that we didn't have to shed ours. Man, that, that is such good news. And, and, and he, he shed his blood for us. And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul tells us this. He says that he who knew no sin, Jesus, actually became sin. In this moment when he was nailed to the cross, every sin that you and I would ever commit in our lives, it came upon Jesus. He became that. And it was nailed to the cross. Man, what an incredible thing that Jesus did for us out of his great love for us. And because of that, man, that is something that ought to make us hoot and holler, that I've been forgiven because of the price that Jesus paid for me. There's a hoot. I'm telling you, if we celebrate anything, we ought to celebrate that. That Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. That, that my sins have been forgiven. And the slate's been wiped clean. I'm clean. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus. That's why some of, you, some of you folks who have been around the church for a while, you remember we used to sing that song. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing that. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is 
That is baptism by the blood of Jesus. If you have invited Jesus into your life, we've been baptized into Christ is what the Bible says. And, and so when we're saved, we are baptized by the blood of Christ. And according uh, to 1 Corinthians 12, it is the Holy Spirit who actually does the baptizing. Well, I want you to look at what Paul writes. He writes this in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. He says, for by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. That, that word by is a word that means through, the agency of. By refers to the one who's doing the doing. And so according to Paul, if you've been born again, it's only because the Holy Spirit drew you. We believe in what is called prevenient grace. It's the grace that goes before. It's the activity of God in our lives when we didn't even know he was active in our lives. It's for some of you, you showed up at this place and you don't even know why you're here. It's because the Holy Spirit drew you here. It's the grace that goes before. The Holy Spirit convicts us or convinces us of our sins and our need for a Savior. And then he gives us the courage and the strength to respond. We can't even do that on our own. And so it's the Holy Spirit's activity that allows us to do that. And then it's the Holy Spirit who begins to do the supernatural work of regeneration in us. Making us, as the Bible says, a new creation. And when Jesus comes in our lives, the old has passed away. It's all gone. Everything you've ever done before, it's gone. And you have become a new creation. All right, so that's the first baptism. It's the baptism of salvation. We go through the blood. But then the second baptism, we go through the water. This is, uh, this is the baptism of water. This is what Jesus is talking about when we read through Matthew 28, when, when he says, Go ye therefore into all nations, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about here is water baptism. What, what water baptism is, is water baptism is an outward testimony that signifies an inward work that Christ has done in our lives. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 28, 19, when he, when he says, go ye therefore. Some, some people have, have questioned, you know, this is this, this outward testimony of an inward work. And some people have questioned, they've said, you know, um, wonder why is it that um, when, when, um, when you give an invitation that you don't have people come forward or stand or acknowledge at that time? It's because baptism is a private decision, between you and God is a personal decision. But there comes a time for a public declaration. Both of those are important. And so baptism is the public declaration. The decision is a private decision, but there needs to be a public declaration. Both of those are important. The Bible says this. Jesus says, if you deny me before the Father, or before people, then I'll deny you before the Father. And so there needs to be this moment of public declaration. Both of those are important. And so water baptism is an opportunity to do the public part. It's us saying publicly in front of a group of people saying, I have an intentionally chosen to make Jesus Christ my Savior and the Lord of my life, and I'm not ashamed that people know that I've made that decision. Water, water baptism is not just a public declaration, but it's an outward sign of what's happened to us inside. Ephesians 2.1 reminds us that before we surrendered our lives to Jesus, 
we were dead in our transgressions and in our sins. Now, now, what do we do with dead people? We bury them, right? We, we bury dead people. And so we were dead in our sins, but Paul says a few verses later, but God being rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, he made us alive together by Christ. And it is by his grace that we have been saved. This is an act of grace. This is the imagery of water baptism. It's this outward symbol of what's happened to us on the inside. We were dead and buried in our sin, but because of God's grace, we've been raised to life, a brand new creation. We've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. The old is gone. It's all, it's all passed away, and we've been reborn in the image of Christ. Listen, if you're here this morning, and you've yet to take that step of water baptism... If you've not yet obeyed Jesus in this area, listen, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. The command is repent and be baptized. And so if you've never done that, I encourage you, don't wait. There's no better day than today. This is your opportunity to, to make that public statement. And, and, and here's the deal. People get, you know, I think... Um, you know, next, maybe right above death for some people is the fear of getting in front of, of a group of people. You know, there's this great fear. We don't make you talk or anything. I mean, we make you talk a little bit. We'll just ask you the question. Have you made the personal decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you commit yourself to follow him all the days of your life and all you have to say is if, you, if you've made that decision is yes. I have, or I do, or whatever. I mean, yes. And then we'll, we'll dunk you, man. <laughs> I tell people that, you know, the greater the sin in your life, the longer we hold you down. So, <laughs> no, we don't, we don't do that. But, 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 you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we've got, we've got several who have already decided to take that step and obey Jesus. And, Maybe you didn't come prepared to do that today. I'm telling you, because the Holy Spirit is who he is, we prepared for you. I mean, we've got shirts like this that, that you get to keep. Uh, that say made new on them because that's what's happened. And we've got shorts that you can change into. And we've got towels. And we've got people who will help you uh, get back to the place where you need to, to go. And so I really encourage you this morning, you know, you don't have an excuse. If you haven't done it, do it today. If the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, one of the things that we have to learn when we talk about the Holy Spirit is when he tugs at our heart, if we don't say an immediate yes, what happens is it dulls our hearing according to the word. Every time he, he, he tugs at our heart and, and speaks to our hearts for us to do something and we don't obey, what happens is we don't hear him as well anymore to the point where we don't hear him at all. And so if he's tugging at your heart, I encourage you to obey him today. All right, so we've got the baptism of salvation. We've got the baptism of, of water. Now, the sad reality is that this is where the vast majority of believers park. I've been saved into the body of Christ. I've been cleansed of my sins and made new through water baptism. And now... 
I guess I just wait to die and go to heaven. They, they never experienced the third baptism, which this is, this is intended to be a part of the normal Christian life. And the third baptism is what Scripture refers to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is where people get freaked out because uh, we, we've seen weird people do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about this, but, but I want to remind you again, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. The Holy Spirit is not weird, and, and this is supposed to be a normal part of what it means to be Christian. In fact, I want you to, to look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 uh, is, we're going to look at, at some words that, that John says here. And uh, the, the reality is this, is that outside of the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist has to be like one of the most famous baptizers that ever lived. Because it's like his, his last name. I mean, if your last name is Baptist, then you ought to know a little something about baptism. His name really isn't Baptist, uh, they just, he, there was such a part of his ministry that that's what he got referred to. People just said, oh, here comes John the baptizer because he's the one who's always baptizing. And so it became a part of, of his ministry. But in Matthew chapter 3, John says something that is vital about what we're talking about this morning. He's, he's down at the Jordan River where he finds himself quite often. He's calling people to repent of their sins and be baptized. And there's this argument that breaks out between him and the religious leaders. Those religious leaders all the time are arguing. But there's this argument that breaks out. And in the midst of it, he pauses and he makes this incredible statement. I want you to look at what he says in Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 he says as for me in other words what I'm doing right here and what I've been called to do I baptize you with water for repentance but he who is coming after me Jesus is mightier than I and I'm not even fit to remove his sandals but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire now what John says here is, is one of a handful of events that is repeated in every single one of the Gospels. This event is recorded. Matthew talks about it. Mark talks about it. Luke talks about it. John talks about it. There's only a few events like, like um, the Last Supper, like the crucifixion, the resurrection, things that are crucial to the Gospel. And so what I want you to understand is if this is included amongst those things, then this must be crucial to the gospel story as well. And, and, and what's interesting here about the baptism of salvation is this. About, the baptism of salvation is the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus, but in this case, the opposite is happening. Jesus is baptizing us into the Holy Spirit. You see that? In, in salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. In, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. It's the exact opposite. John says that Jesus is now the baptizer, bab immersing us in the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm going to look at Luke 24. This is the very last chapter of Luke. And I want you to look at, these are the very last words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven. Many people um, think that, that Matthew 28 
are the last words of Jesus, where Jesus says, Go ye therefore and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, because it concludes with amen. And amen seems like, okay, that's the conclusion. But actually, Jesus' last words are not go. They were actually wait. He knew that before his disciples could go, they had to wait to receive the power to go. And so Jesus says this in Luke chapter 24. He said to them, this is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are my witness of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city. That word tarry, another word for that is wait. Wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. In other words, Jesus wants his disciples to understand that he wants to, he wants to use them. He's like, you guys, you 12, you 72, this small group, you guys are going to change the entire planet. You guys are going to change the history of the world. But you got to go and you got to wait because before you can do that, first, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see what Jesus is telling them is the only way you'll ever be able to go and do everything that I've commanded you to do, called you to do, is if you Allow yourself to be filled with, immersed by, powered by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus knew, you'll just be striving and, and struggling in your own limited strength and power and wisdom. and You'll be operating in your own natural ability and, and nothing of spiritual value will be accomplished. So you need to wait to be filled by the Helper that I promised you. Of course, we know what happens, that in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and, and tongues of fire come down and rests upon each one that was in that room, and the power of God hits that place. That, that, that word, when Jesus says, and you will receive power, that word power is the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. And so it's like there's this explosion of power that takes place in their lives. And the Bible says that they begin to, to speak in other languages. And everybody outside freaks out. They're like, are these guys drunk? I mean, it's the middle of the day. What's going on? And so Peter, we've talked about this before, but Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same Peter who just a few days earlier, just a few yards away, denied Christ three times. I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know who that guy is. Not a part of him. Never seen him before. That Peter, just a few days later, a few feet away, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a different Peter. He's got this supernatural power. And, the, and it says in Luke 24, um, I'm sorry, it, it says that Peter says in Acts chapter 2, he, he says, y'all killed Jesus. He was God. And y'all did it. And you need to say you're sorry for it. You, you crucified this guy. And you need to repent and say you're sorry. 
And the people, I mean, it's not like this dynamic sermon. You killed him, you need to say you're sorry. And the Bible says, and the people were cut to the heart. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. It says they were cut to the heart. And they said, what do we do? What do we do in response to this? And Peter says this in Acts chapter 2. He says, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus and the forgiveness of your sins. And then he says, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then watch this. He says this in verse 39, and this is for us, okay? He says, this promise is to you, your children, and for those who are far away. Woohoo! That's us. Just, just, just a couple of quick things. I want you to notice here a few different, couple different things, but the first one is this is that the Holy Spirit is a gift that has been given to us that's a result of God's grace. The Spirit is a gift of grace. This baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift that God wants to give to each of us because of his grace. And so what that means is, is that just like salvation, there's nothing you can do to earn it because it's a gift of grace. If we earn it, it's not a gift. It's something we earned. It's a wage. And so it, it's, a, it's a gift. That, that means there's no measure of holiness that you can have to live up, to attain the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is not a badge of honor that is reserved for only the spiritually elite. No, the Holy Spirit is available to every single knucklehead this side of the cross. Thanks be to God for that. All of us are included. Come on. We ought to celebrate that, man. I mean, that means I don't deserve him. You don't deserve him. There's not one person who's joining us online that deserves him. The highest profile pastor in the world doesn't deserve him. The most spiritual person that you can think of doesn't deserve him. It's not, he's not just reserved for people who have somehow climbed this spiritual ladder and now they're elite Christians up here and the rest of us feel like we're down here. No, the Holy Spirit is available for anybody who is willing, anybody who is open. Because he says this promise is for you and for your children it's for generations who come after you, and this promise is even for people who are far away that we're not even thinking of. There are some people who would try and tell you that, you know, this Holy Spirit stuff, that was, that was reserved for that time and place. That was for the people in the book of Acts. That was for the New Testament believers. It was for the disciples. It was for the early church. But it was for that dispensation. But it's not for us today. Well, to those, I would just ask this simple question. If Peter says, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that this promise is for you, those three things, this promise is for you, for your children, and for those who are far away, my question is this, 
which part of that promise has been discontinued? Is it salvation? Is it water baptism? I mean, it's the whole thing. That's the promise, those three things. And so we can't just cut parts of Scripture out that we're uncomfortable with. All of it goes together. The people who believed the message, they repented of their sins, they were water baptized, and then they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we see other times in the New Testament where the, the, the message of repentance had gotten to people and disciples would go out and they would begin to talk to them and they find out, oh, okay, you've already heard about Jesus and you received Christ, and they'll ask the question, which baptism did you receive? Was it the baptism of repentance? They're like, yeah, we received John's baptism. And so at that moment, they would say, oh, okay. And then they would baptize them in the Holy Spirit. We, we need all of these. They go together. And, and so Jesus is like, you know, look, you're going to be my witnesses. And, and for me, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not, you know, so that we can get some kind of goosebumpy feeling when we come into a place like this. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is, is not so that we can have great church services. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is for empowering ordinary people like you and me so that our lives become a witness to a lost and broken and hurting world. Jesus said you'll, become, you'll be filled with power so that you can become my witnesses. You see, the reason we need the power of the Holy Spirit, the reason you need the power of the Holy Spirit, is because the world needs you. The world needs you to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that when you walk into your place of employment, the Holy Spirit walks into your place of employment with you. The world needs you to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that in your homes, when you're trying to parent your children and you're dealing with all of that and you don't know what to do, the power of the Holy Spirit is alive in you and they're seeing the Holy Spirit at work in your life and you're passing that on to your children. The world needs you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so when you go into Walmart or a restaurant or you encounter people in your neighborhood who are hurting and broken, man, this world wants to encounter something powerful and real so badly. And they're waiting on us. We, we, we've seen as we watch the events unfold at Asbury down in Kentucky and thousands upon thousands upon thousands descended on that place. Why did they go there? Because they wanted a genuine encounter with the living God. They're hungry for it. And when people see the real thing, man, they can't resist that. People need to experience the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Man, the world, the world is longing for kindness. We're going to talk about that later. But I was thinking about that this morning. Some people just need a hug. They just need to have the Holy Spirit hug them. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a hat. We need to print this. Less thugs more hugs. Some of us just act like thugs, mad all the time. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The world needs us. Less thugs, more hugs, man. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in, in, in and through us. And so what a blessing these three baptisms are. To be forgiven through the baptism of salvation, to be cleansed and made new through the baptism of water, and then 
to actually been, to be given the power to live it out through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is how we were created to live. So here's what we're going to do. Brian, if you, you guys would come. Here's, here's what I want to do this morning as we wrap things up. If you're here this morning and you have never, ever taken that first step and received the baptism of salvation, listen, the reason that Jesus gave on his life on the cross was for this moment. It was for you. He, he took the penalty of your sin. All of the things that you have ever done in your life on accident or on purpose that have fallen short of the glory of God. He knows every single, he knows stuff you've forgotten about. He sees it all. And he's not mad at you. He loves you. I mean, he, he, you want to know how much Jesus loves you? This much. Loves you enough to allow himself to be nailed to a cross. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to, he, see, here's the deal. He's already paid the penalty so that you don't have to. But there are some of you who are like, you're going to pay it too. And he doesn't want you to do that. It's a gift. It's a gift that all you have to do is receive it. And so if you've never done that, if you're watching us online, if you're here and you've never taken that step, I want to invite you to do it right now. It's a decision that you make just to receive it. And so every head bowed and every eye closed. If the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart, if he's convicted you, and if you're here and you're like, I hope this is true. I hope what you're saying is true. I just encourage you to take this step and pray this prayer in the quietness of your own heart. Just make this your own. Dear Jesus, I receive you today. I receive you today. I receive your free gift of salvation. Baptize me by your blood. Wash away my sin. Make me a new creation. Brand new. All the old stuff. Wash it away. Make me brand new today. I give my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. I invite you in. I receive you today to be my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'd just like to know, if you prayed that prayer, just lift your hand up real quick just to say, hey, I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. Yeah. You can put those down. Put them down. Several of you prayed that prayer. All right, you can look at, look at me. Here's what we're going to do. Three baptisms. Second baptism is this. It's a baptism of water. I've, I've already encouraged you. I'm not going to talk you into it. This is not my job to talk you into it. I'm just going to relay what the Word says. So if you've never done this, Jesus says, repent and be baptized. Those of you who just prayed the prayer, there's not like a time period you have to wait. All right, it's not like, okay, we better wait for six months to make sure this thing sticks before we do it, man. If the Holy Spirit tugs on your heart and you want to take this second step of obedience, you can do that today. And so we're going to encourage you, and just I'm not going to release you right now because you may want to participate in the third part, but I'm going to encourage you, don't wait, 
go get baptized. Laura, uh, my wife, and which they're the same person, uh, and Lonnie, and then Pastor Brad is going to go, and they will meet you out in the lobby. I'll dismiss you in just a moment. And we've got shirts, we've got shorts, we've got towels. They'll give you the direction that you need. And this place is going to be a party whenever we baptize people, okay? I mean, this is something that if you've, if you've had this done, I heard it was so cool. Last week, I was listening to two ladies who had been baptized quite a while ago at different times as a mother and a daughter. And they were talking to somebody who was contemplating baptism. And it was so cool as me as a pastor to sit back and just listen to what they said. And they talked about how, oh man, in that moment, there was just something, I can't explain it. Something came out over me. When I came out of that water, I just was different. You need to, and they were like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And we got to live that way. And so I'm, I, that, you know, I'm, that's it. That's my car. So that you got to do it if you haven't done it. There are some here today, and I, I, you know, I, I don't think we understand the privilege we have, the amazing days that we're living in, because the Bible says this, it says that in the last days, this is the promise, in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. He says that old men... Now, young men are going to dream dreams. I'm still dreaming dreams, so old men are going to have visions. He's going to pour his, his spirit out on all flesh. And, and so what that means is that he didn't say some flesh. He said all flesh. So that means that every single person alive has been given access to the empowering, enabling, and energizing presence of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here this morning, and I, I, I'm going to tell you, if you haven't been water baptized yet, it doesn't matter which of those two steps order you take them in. Just what's important is you take them. But if you're here this morning and you've never taken that step of faith and allowed the Holy Spirit to have control of your life, today is the day, and you can do that because he's right here right now. And so how do you do that? How do you receive him? Real quick, just three things. First of all, you present your body to him. Romans 12.1 says this. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is, if you want to truly worship me, he says, this is your true and proper worship. And then he goes on to say that what, this is what the Spirit is going to do for you. We're going to talk more about what the Holy Spirit does for us when he empowers us. But one of the things he'll do is he'll help us not to conform to the power of the world anymore. But he'll transform us by the renewing of our mind. He'll help us think differently. He said, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good and perfect and pleasing will. So first of all, we present our bodies to God cannot fill what he does not own. And so we give our bodies to him. The second thing is, is we simply ask. And James, it says that you don't have because you don't ask. And so we simply ask, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill me? I'm going to give my, myself to you. I give my body to you. I give all that I am to you. Would you fill me? And then the third one is, we just believe. 
We believe that we will receive what we have asked for. Paul says this in Galatians. He, he's, he's trying to help the people understand. They, they received the Spirit. Now they're trying to live by their own power instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says to him, he goes, I'd just like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing in what you heard? You give yourself to him. You ask and then you just believe. And so here's what I want to do. Anybody who wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I just want you to stand right now where you're at. Anybody who says, I want this, man, just stand up. Be bold. Don't be afraid. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live on my own strength or my own, my own wisdom, my own, I want to be filled by the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, man, there were times in Scripture where, where uh, the disciples would, they'd been filled in Acts, uh, in the book of Acts, and they would go out, and before they went to do something, it says that the Holy Spirit would descend on them again. And if you want a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit, stand right now, right where you're at. We're not going to take a bunch of time. I'm not going to beg you. The Holy Spirit's not going to beg you. And I'm not just going to ask you to get in a posture of receiving with your hands right out in front of you like this. And Holy Spirit, this morning we come to you and we just pray, first of all, that you would have us, have our bodies, have our minds, have all that we are. We give all that we are to you. You possess us. Take control of us. We give that over to you. We pray that you would just take us, take our, our lives as a sacrifice to you, a living sacrifice. Today we ask that you would fill us. There are some that you just want to fill with a brand new, just, just brand new dose of your strength and your power and your presence in their lives. We pray that you would do that right now. There are those who are longing, just saying, I'm thirsty, I want more of you, I just need to have more of you. And so I'm asking that you would just, uh, a fresh impartation. We are asking you. And today we're believing, your word says that you're not a man that you should lie. Every promise that you've given, every word that you've spoken is yes and amen. We can take it to the bank, we can count on it, and so we believe it. We believe it. We believe what we've received. I pray this week that you would help us to walk in that power, to walk in what you have for us. And we come against right now, we know the tactics of the enemy. He's a liar, he's a thief, and he wants to steal everything that you want to do in our lives. So we already are prepared for it this week. Maybe the moment we walk out this door, the enemy is going to say, it didn't happen, you didn't get it, it ain't true. And we call that for what it is right now a lie. We're going to believe that you have done what you said you've done. I pray for encounters all throughout this week. That as we open up your word, that you would have it come alive to us. That you would speak truth to us. I pray that as we're driving in our car, I pray the moments that we're praying, we would hear your voice. We would just have a sense of your love and your presence in our lives. I pray that you would empower us to be your witnesses. Give us an opportunity this week to share with somebody in some way, whether it be by the words that we speak or it just be by giving somebody a big old hug and just demonstrating the love and the kindness and the grace and the mercy of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, yeah, let's clap for that. All right, real quick.
We've got to have a quick turnaround here, like three or four minutes. So if you, if you want to be baptized, if you said, if you, if you contacted us or you didn't contact us, you want to do it today, get up right now, go to this door over here, and Laura and Lonnie will meet you. If you want to be baptized, go head that direction. Anybody who wants to be baptized, go meet them back there, and we're going to baptize you this morning. All right, we got a great crew that's coming in here. Cool. Yeah. Anybody, don't wait. If the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, go. All right? I'm going to say one more prayer just because I like to pray and because God is good to us and these guys are getting settled. Hey, guys, thanks for being here. We're going to pray, all right? Thank you, God, for these, these little ones who have come in. Lord, we praise you for them. Thank you for the heart that you have for them. I pray that every time they come in through the doors of this church that they would feel loved and welcome and that they would know that you're for them, that they're just a vital part of this body. I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that they would uh, encounter you as they in this place and outside of this place. I pray that you would go with us and be with us. For those who you're working on their hearts and they're not, they just haven't been ready to take that step yet, don't quit, Jesus. You don't give up on us. Meet us where we're at. Keep after us. Lord, I pray that you would soften hearts that need to be softened. You would strengthen those who who need to be strengthened. You would empower those who need power this week. And you would continue to work in us in every way. And we're going to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.